The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Johnny, beam us up. Welcome to another episode of the Beam Me Up podcast. I am Brent Allen, one of your hosts, and I have seen every episode of Star Trek multiple times. And I'm Matt, and this is my very first time through the series. And this is the show where Matt gets to explore how Star Trek became the cultural phenomenon that it is today. And we, the rest of us, get to relive watching Star Trek for the very first time through the eyes of someone who's never seen it before. The challenge for me, though, how do you boil down over 740-plus episodes across seven series and 13 movies to the best ones that give Matt a pretty complete, if not necessarily exhaustive, Star Trek experience? The episode we're going to be talking about today is A Taste of Armageddon. In this episode, the Enterprise is ordered to override a general order to stay away from a planet by a not-so-diplomatic ambassador. When Kirk and the crew beam down, they discover that they are in the midst of a 500-year-old war, but not one that's fought with weapons, one that's simulated in a computer environment, and then those that die in the simulation, they have to die in real life. And when the Enterprise is caught in one of these simulations and the crew is declared casualties, Kirk and company destroy the computers and force the people to eventually face the actual horrors of war, which should then hopefully lead them to seek out actual peace for the first time in 500 years. And, oh yeah, that not-so-diplomatic diplomat, he volunteers to stay and help out. Matt, now that you've seen this episode, uh, we're coming off the arena Getting mm-hmm. back to a little bit more of a Star Trek centric, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a little, a little more in the vein of what Star Trek is about. Uh, yeah, definitely. This is your sixth episode, no, fifth episode. I'm sorry, fifth episode mm-hmm. of Star Trek. What'd you think? I, I liked it, but it definitely did not go at all how I was expecting. Okay. I everything. I, I well, as soon as I thought I had an idea, uh-huh. it, it took a left turn. Took a left. So. Like, like, take us through that. Like, kind of, what were you expecting versus what actually wound up happening? So, I mean, well, like, they they definitely, definitely set up the ambassador to be this super bad evil guy, right? Right. From the music they played to the shots, camera shots they gave, like, he was supposed to be like this evil dude. Didn't really turn out to be evil. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't really. I mean, he was he was as evil as any government is. Uh-huh. You know, government corruption, drunk with power type of thing. But he wasn't the bad guy, right? Right. right. Uh, so I mean, he was. He was. Let's you know. Let's be clear. Let's not mince words. He was an absolute jerk yeah, to yes. the people on the Enterprise, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. But it, it, like I'm saying, it, it was just he, he. He was. He was drunk with power. He was mm-hmm. trying to abuse it. Like, uh, yes. Like he. He mentioned that like he had command. And like, okay, yes, you have command. But that doesn't mean that you get to break the rules. It just means that you tell people what to do within the same rule set. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have, any, you don't actually have any extra power. And and like that, that's where he was trying to bend things and and break things. And it it really gave him that that bad guy look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Something. That, something. I want you to keep track of, and I want you to keep okay. note of as we kind of go forward through this. The, like, there will always be the Enterprise crew, mm-hmm. right? And and a lot of times they'll struggle with the moral question of what should we do in this situation, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I want you to just keep track of what the officials from Starfleet are saying and how they like okay. whether it's whether it's an ambassador or some other diplomat or an admiral or another yeah. captain like or or something like that just i just kind of pick up your thread and, and just kind of see i want to see what you think as we go forward <laughs> through sure, the show sure. just give you that little little bug I'll, to, as we I'll, go I'll try to keep an eye on that yeah 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 so uh, the ambassador was one thing you said that kind of kept taking left turns with where you expected mm-hmm. it to go. Uh, what what else? Was there something else that, that... – it, it, it took me longer than it should have. I, I, well, actually, I, I don't know. If, it felt like I should have caught on sooner sure. to like what they were saying was happening with mm-hmm. this war situation, right? Yeah, yeah. Like even after the first kind of couple semi-explanations, I still didn't have a clear picture – of what was going on. It wasn't until they finally, um, I forget if it was Kirk or Spock who, who finally explained it. Right. But like, it basically came down to, yeah, there's this fake, or I think you said simulated war Mm -hmm. going on. And, and, and like, I I made a note, like, so they're basically playing war games. Right. But then actually killing the people. Mm -hmm. And like, I, 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 I just, at first, I was all on board. It's like, okay, so they have this new technology. They kept talking about they're super advanced and stuff, mm-hmm. and they they have this weapon technology that uh, Starfleet Federation doesn't know about. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, they, they've been at it for so many years. They keep, you know, outdoing each other, and now this technology, like, you don't notice it. It's not radiation-based. It's not right. any technology you know about, so you can't track it. Cool. Well, not really cool, but <laughs> it's like... That, that seemed like a, a feasible explanation, but it's like, no, that's not what's happening. And then, yeah, they got into the, you know, you have to report for the disintegration. De- chambers. Disintegration, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, that, that is craziness. <laughs> I, I, right. And it, it took me a while to wrap my head around why they thought that was a good idea. Right. So like I I don't know if it was just you know <laughs> the time I sat down to watch this my my brain wasn't working at at uh-huh. full capacity or w- what the what what was going on here but it, it everything just seemed to take me a little bit too long to grasp yeah I will I will say this I think this episode has a great rewatchability factor okay you know what i mean like i don't know that a whole that uh there's not i know there's some episodes in star trek that when i'm doing my rewatch i Mm -hmm. even i'll sit here and kind of go all right i'm skipping this episode (laughs) you know but then there are others that i'm like no no no, i can't wait to see this episode again Mm -hmm. for one reason or another this one has that like once you know what's going on it changes your experience of watching the front end Sure. You know what I mean? And like you start picking up on all these little threads, yeah. uh, all these little cookie crumbs that have been dropped, even even from the, the opening teaser of the episode. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see um, that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, – this is this – is, this is generally considered, depending on who's ranking them, usually in the top 15 episodes of the original series. I can see. You know, um, some people rate it as high – I saw it as high as like eight on on okay. somebody's uh somebody's ranking 11ish you know is a lot of times what happens there so um but yeah i i personally dig this episode because the the concept is so wild you know and they talk about mm-hmm. like what it is to you know okay so we could have real war and we could blow yep. everything up and these people are going to die anyway or you could just kind of tell us how many people have to die and then 
yeah, you know, we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, and, and I mean, I I know we'll get into it, but the, like the conclusion of this feels like it goes against everything I've been saying. You know, Star Trek is and Star Trek doesn't, and how they deal with different civilizations. Uh-huh. Like it seems like this kind of shatters everything that we've been saying so far. So it, it was okay. interesting. Yes. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I, I do want to dive into that just a little bit uh, because there's a couple of um, and this is more on like the trivia side of the episode. Okay. Uh, and so this might actually preemptively answer some of the questions that you have sure. um, or maybe not altogether. So uh, let me let me run down through just a few of these um, uh, specifically. Uh, this is the first episode in all of Star Trek. Uh, we're, this is like episode what? Tw- uh, twenty four. It's listed as a Netflix. Was it twenty four? Yeah, yes. yeah. It's it's pretty deep in the run. This is the first time we finally get the the phrase from the Federation of Planets, and this okay. will be the one that that Trekkies know and love. Like this is the one that's going to stick. We've mm-hmm. had the United Earth. The mm-hmm. you know we've had we've had the Federation. We had that in um, was it Arena. Uh, or, or one of the other ones, maybe it, it one, of one of the recent, yeah, yeah. one of the recent ones, yeah. yeah, one of those. Um, uh, but this one we finally get to the United. Fe- or this is the Federation of Planets. Um, I do think it eventually goes to the United Federation of Planets. So okay. same, I mean, same. <laughs> we're we're in that phraseology now. But one of the episodes that we just skipped, uh, an, an episode called Return of the Archons, which is actually a little bit similar to this episode in that there's a computer that's kind of controlling things and <laughs> all that kind of deal. Um, that is where they introduced something called the Prime Directive. Okay. Okay. And the Prime Directive is basically the idea of, of uh, you don't mess with pre-orb civilizations and you don't, you don't influence the natural cultural development of a society. Okay. Like they, they have to, you know, they have to be able to uh, have the right to the, the free will to, mm-hmm. to do whatever they want, even if you don't agree with it. Right. Like yeah. this yeah. is a prime directive. This will carry through all of Star Trek. Sure. Okay. Well, <laughs> there's some Star Trek that's before the prime directive and actually talks about getting the prime directive. No, anyway, um, but, but that's where that was. So that was just a couple of episodes. And in this episode, yeah, we completely ignore it. Yeah, <laughs> that, I mean that's what it feels ignore like. Ignore it from from yeah. what you can. We, we've kind of been talking about. Yeah. I mean, Kirk like, gives him a little bit of pushback at the beginning, like, uh, "No, we really shouldn't do this." And the guy's like, "Yeah, but we're going to do it anyway." And he's like, "All right, I guess." Yeah, gung ho. And then you get to the end where he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to force you guys to do this." Exactly. That's yes. what that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like yeah. he 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 basically steps in and says, "Yeah, no, what you're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. This is how it should be done." Yeah. It, it, like so, so he he basically takes him from path A, pushes him on to path B, and says, "Now you have a choice. I took you know path A off the table, but you can choose from B or C." Right. 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 And, and and it's like. Obviously, one is better than the other, and they're most likely to go that way. And that you know, they at mm-hmm. the end that they're they're hopeful that that's the way they're going to go. But right. it's like, yeah, just taking that that their main option, what they had been living, completely off the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that feels like exactly what we were talking about. It's like you don't do that. You know, this is a mm-hmm. different civilization, different culture. You, you got to let them do their thing. You got to respect that, mm-hmm. even if you don't agree with it. But it's like. No, he just says, no, you're, you're not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, this episode was written in 1966. 
Okay. It was it was first aired in like February of '67. They were filming it. Uh, this episode was actually filmed over the the New Year transition, like sure. that last week of '66, first week of '67. Um, but it but it was definitely in '66. But this was written um, very much as a statement on the Vietnam War deaths. Now, neither you or I were around for Vietnam, so we just have to take yeah, those words. I... Um, <laughs> but you know, like on the nightly newscast, apparently they would list like okay here's everybody who died in vietnam today like just put up the list and mm-hmm, it just kind of mm-hmm. became very you know just sort of cold sure. you know and and it just very like you're just you're searching for for anyone you may or may not know but outside of that it's just names yep. you know that's all it is is just names it's, it's happening name. kind yep. of in this weird faraway area and it was very much written in as a commentary on that um, I that, that makes a lot more sense now. It does. But <laughs> this is the kind of episode, Matt, that I think we are going to not I think. I, I'm I'm directing this. So we these are the types of episodes we're going to explore here on the Beam Me Up podcast sure. that um you know, we'll we'll get to later if whether or not you actually enjoyed the episode, like from an entertainment standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, these these shows that have, I think, a continuing meaning for us today, because you know, we could forget about Vietnam and we could turn around and start talking about things in our own day right now, like drone warfare, mm-hmm. where you have a guy who's using a remote control, sending it out there, picking a, a building, destroying a building, never minding who's inside or. Mm-hmm targeting a specific person but he's in the comfort and safety of his little bunker and he gets to get up and go home and go to dinner that night yep you know what i mean and it's it's this it's this weird thing that star trek does where they they're writing something for their day but 30 40 50 years later honestly like it applies to what we're doing today you know what i mean like turn on the six o'clock news anytime you're listening to this episode and i promise you you'll probably see something that you know, a lesson or a moral that this particular episode really kind of speaks to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and this is why, honestly, I, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, and I'll probably continue to say it. I truly believe that the world needs Star Trek today more than ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is, th- this is a very interesting, I want to dig down into this a little bit, but before we get Definitely. there, this is kind of where I give you the chance to say, okay, you heard a lot of stuff. What kind of questions do you have? You know, what's swimming around in your brain there? Sure, sure. Uh, One thing that stood out to me in in this episode in particular, because it happened, I think I counted at least three times, Uh uh, is the naming scheme for things, whether it's people or planets or whatever. (laughs) Right, right, right. They, they, They love to use numbers. Sure. And like, I, I, I don't know that much about, you know, planets and stars and stuff that we actually have named right now. Mm-hmm. I, I think we use numbers sometimes, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's necessarily that often. But we, we run across here like uh, a mini R7. Uh-huh. And then the first uh, lady they meet down on the planet is Maya 3. Uh-huh. And then uh, a non 7. Right. And I'm like, it, it's. I, I, I don't know what to think of that. Like, yeah. is, is there some structure behind that? Like, okay. is, is that yeah, like yeah. a ju- junior, senior, the third, the fourth type of thing? Yeah. But then when you do it with planets, it's like you're not creating new planets and like, okay, the first one was destroyed. Like, here's the Death Star 2. There's, <laughs> right, you know, right. it, it, so, so it's like, yeah. I, I just don't quite understand that naming structure and why, I mean, if you're, if they're thinking about the future, why they thought it was going to be so prevalent like yeah. that. Yeah. So, so let's separate the naming structure of the planets 
Okay. And le- and the naming structure of human or or humanoids, I should sure. say. I yeah. can't say yeah. human yeah. beings. Um, let's talk about them because they're they're easiest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with humans, I there's only one other time in all of Star Trek that I can remember where they refer to people by a name and then a number. And that's okay. when we get to a uh, certain character in a couple of series, not even the next one. So um, uh, this that would be something that I think would be unique to this particular culture and okay. this particular setup. Now, I'm not going to say that they that that never happens throughout all of Star Trek. I might just sure. not be thinking about yeah. it right now. <laughs> I mean, but it's not something if, you're going to come up on. It does happen again yeah. in an episode we watch. I'll probably point it out. Yeah, but, yeah. But it's, yeah. but it's not going to be something that happens a lot. However, the planets, that is going to happen probably just about every episode. Okay. And basically the idea as I understand it, and if anybody out there is listening and you understand it a different way, please write into the show and, and tell me tell me what you got. But as I understand it, basically the idea is um, – so the, the name of the planet this week was uh, – I, I can never say it right. I want to say Eleanor or – Aminiar. Aminiar. It was Aminiar 7, right? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Aminiar would actually be like the name of the sun – and the seven would be the seventh planet in its solar system. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so basically, they don't bother naming the planets. Well, because it's that's just... something that's contained to your 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 system. But if if you are like closely related to the planet, you know, like if you're big friends with the planet, if they're part of the Federation, they'll recognize the individual name of the planet. Like mm-hmm. if you, you think about it with us, right? So, like if we say the name of our sun is Sol, right? We say that quite often. Sure. We, to other people out there who don't know us, we would just be Sol Three. We're the third planet in in the yeah. Sol's system of planets. So, so but we call ourselves th- Earth. It, right? it, it, it's the Federation's name for the planet. Is is kind of what you're saying? Yeah, right? yeah. Because they're the foreigners coming in, like that's what they call it. But right. I, I mean, I think when they were down on the planet, the the locals referred to it as a mini R seven too. But uh, at, at least well, a mini-R. you know, writing. But you, yeah, well, I, I, well, okay. So, well, there, so there's I, another I, I, explanation I under, for that. I understand no, that. There's another. Let's give you another explanation for that. Okay. Okay. Um. Well, obviously, not everybody in the universe speaks English. Yep. Okay. Uh, and Star Trek deals with this, which is great, through <laughs> an inv- an invention that Star Trek came up with called the Universal Translator. Okay. okay? And it's that little device that he, you know, the, the little thing he holds in his hand that is basically, uh, hey, it's this device. You talk in your language. I talk in mine. And I hear you. Mm-hmm. And and oddly, I see your lips move in the form of my language as well. We'll never address that. <laughs> but, you know, it's the Universal sure. Translator. Yep. And yep. So if the Universal Translator is translating the name of their planet to come through, at like, that would yeah. be the... I, I gotcha. That I would gotcha. be the in-universe, quote-unquote, reason I, that you I, get that? I, and that's fine. And, like, yeah. I, I understand from a writing standpoint, I mean, that, that that's always tough. Like, mm-hmm. it, unless you want to subtitle everything... Exactly. You know, the, like they do that in some movies nowadays when you have, you know, you have that Russian speaking character, that Spanish speaking character mm-hmm. and like they're the, everybody else is speaking English. It's like they're going to subtitle the Spanish guy mm-hmm. in 99 percent of movies. I mean, there, there's some where either, you know, you can you can pick up what they're saying just from, you know, inflection or such or right. they straight up, you know, they're a spy and they don't want you to know what they're saying. Right. Um but in any case, yes, I, I understand what you're saying. So not only from a, a, a writing, um, mm-hmm. listener, uh, entertainment perspective, is it easier, simpler to to keep everything 
equal on that plane, but yeah. with a, a universal translator type of technology, that, that makes sense. Right. Which, I mean, we're actually, from what I understand, we're kind of close to that already. We, bro, I'm telling you, there are so many things in Star Trek that, mm-hmm. you know, have yeah. Star- yeah. It started as, as uh, hey, you kind of people going to gene like hey i got you How, how's this <laughs> happening and like he comes up with some bs answer and now mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's technology right i mean because it's actually a good idea it really is it really <laughs> is so you know it it, it it's it, i don't it's a lot of fun i i will say though there are planets throughout the galaxy that we actually know like their name and we use their name like the planet Vulcan. Sure. Like it's not it's not Vulcan eight and it's the but name I, of the sun. I, I, I mean the name of the it, Klingon home planet. Uh Bajor is another one that comes to mind off the top of my head. Uh, like, like do we know that though because like we have a Vulcan in our presence. Well that, right? well that's what I mean. Like within the Federation we're buddies and we know like hey what do you call your home planet? Oh, okay yeah. so we can start learning that and call it that. But to all those people who aren't in the Federation I mean, it, it, and aren't it, our buddies, we don't know what you call your thing. So it, It's basically like you know the, the Latin names of you know, bugs and plants and stuff, right? Okay. Explain. So, so, so like uh, I, I, I don't know my Latin names very well, but um, it, you know, I, I, I call it a, a monarch butterfly, right? Okay. It has a Latin name. That Latin name is essentially a mini R seven, uh-huh. and you know, monarch butterfly right. is, is is what you may call it monarch butterfly, but what's the Russian call it? Exactly, right? But you're both going to use the Latin name, mm-hmm. right? Like both both uh, what what are they in, entomologists or whatever? Um, I, I think bug that's guys? yeah, bug yeah. guys. I think that's what you call it, right? Like regardless yep. of what you know, you got that in each language, they'll both refer to the Latin. At least you assume they will, but they both yeah, have their own natural. They're, they're not you know, changing the Latin. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's probably the easiest explanation for those. Uh, but as far as the people in this particular episode, I, I have no clue. Yeah, because I mean, like, like especially for the guys, like you know, we're, we're, we kind of get the senior, junior, the third, the fourth, sure. whatever. So, I mean, if you just want to give it a number as a thing instead of saying the seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, fine it's a little weird when they do it the ladies because that's not something we do in our culture at least right but maybe in their right. culture they do i right. mean th- there are I, I know girls that are are named after their mother or grandmother mm-hmm. so it's like you could almost do that and if anybody's out there also has a fandom of the gilmore girls the two main <laughs> characters there share a first name yeah uh, yeah you know so yeah it, it's absolutely Absolutely true. So, all right, man. In, any other questions? Kind of burning, burning a, a hole in your head there. Um, did, did we ever figure out who, when the ambassador goes down to the planet, mm-hmm. he is accompanied by another guy? Yeah, that I'm pretty sure we hadn't seen prior in the episode. Nope. Okay, he he just if we he, did, he, he was in the background. I, just, yeah, his his assistant. He's a guy. They, they wanted yeah. someone else to come along with him, and they knew none of the junior the, ambassador the en- enterprise crew. It didn't make sense to say, none, none of them would go with him. Right. So okay. yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, just want to make could, sure I wasn't missing. I anything suppose with he that. could have been like a personal security detachment from the Enterprise or something but, like I that. Mean, but he, we we don't the, know the way and he was dressed. Though I mean, he yeah. wasn't dressed as a member of the Enterprise. Like, oh I, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, don't get me started on the ambassador's outfit. Is <laughs> uh, I mean, it was the sixties. 
like hobo came to mind more than ambassador. I I don't know. Well, he has to be humble as he's meeting all these uh, other mm-hmm. people. Right. Oh, is is that it? I have okay. no. Okay. No, uh-huh. no uh-huh. but I will tell you, there is an ambassador coming up who is amazing and <laughs> annoying. <laughs> but awesome, and this particular ambassador is going to be anything but hobo dressed. So, all right, um, all right. Uh, w- one last question that I think yeah. for now: um, Vulcans and I, what they referred to in this, at least as telepathy. Yes, I am glad you picked up on that. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean they 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 they, they set up precedent for you know five seconds before they used it sure <laughs> but it's like sure oh yeah you, you remember i've talked about this with you about this before you yeah know, what, so my, i don't remember if in any of the previous episodes if it had been in maybe one of the episodes we skipped i don't remember offhand i, I the way they set it up it felt like no it felt like this is where we're introducing it yeah. it's like yes i've talked with cap the captain about it before right and it's like okay you want oh, to try as this now? you know captain but nobody else mm-hmm. out there watching the show mm-hmm. does so i'm gonna say it right now so everybody yeah yep. and by the way that's how star trek treats a lot of new information. oh yeah and like i i was fine with that it uh-huh. just made me wonder it's like is this gonna be uh you know james bond gadget type of situation uh-huh. where he never uses the same gadget twice right or is it going to be something that that continues on like that okay we, we've we've decided now you know he has this telepathic ability yep. somehow and he's going to get to use it because I, I I'm, I'm thinking that has a lot of applications and i that's not something i knew about spock um i am glad you picked up on that for the sake of things going forward i'm going to okay. decline to comment further <laughs> but just know that yes vulcans uh have some sort of telepathic powers Okay, and uh, what that looks like going forward? Well, you'll you'll have to just figure out. I, their I, their minds are incredibly looking advanced. forward to it. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm glad you picked up on that. I really, am. <laughs> I really am. So, all right, all right. Um, so uh, is that it, or is that kind of the, I, I, the question? I, I think I think that's good yeah. for now. Yeah, I like this. You know, kind of the. You, you know off the first couple of uh of episodes you know it's mm-hmm. it's i think you're you're kind of getting familiar with the way things work it, it's yep. it's less the nitty-gritty on on those things but <laughs> speaking of the nitty-gritty let's start to dive down into this episode a little yeah. bit yeah what stood out to you what did you notice uh, as you're watching this episode like what you know what were you experiencing as you were watching it uh t- you know take us through it what happened so i mean the first thing we got was you know this ambassador right and uh-huh. they kind of, like I kind of talked about already. They're they're setting him up to be this bad guy, and obviously didn't turn out quite bad guy in the sense that I was expecting. Uh huh. Um, but he, yeah, he. he I, it makes me wonder a little bit if, it, if I mean, from the sound of it, you said there, there's other ambassadors that come along and they're much different. So I, like, mm. maybe this isn't a stereotypical ambassador that they right. have. You know, this is just this guy's thing uh-huh. uh but i liked how uh kirk kind of handled it or at least i thought i did uh-huh. like he he kind of threw a wrench in the ambassador's plans it's like he never quite let him do exactly what he wanted to do mm-hmm. uh, eventually you know he did give in a little bit and ended up going down to the planet mm-hmm. which Kirk didn't want to do and and we we now know why you know they (laughs) which actually they now know why too because they didn't know either (laughs) yes I mean (laughs) which which I now find interesting that you know 
the, the people of that planet intentionally like had good intentions, you know, trying to keep them out of this war. Mm-hmm. It's like, we don't, we don't want to kill you. We, we don't want you to come here, mm-hmm. but you know, we, we have a good idea. We've seen this happen before that when new people come around, they usually end up dead. So you should just stay away. Right. So it, like that, that's, that's an interesting thing to think about, especially I, I would be thinking about the whole time, my second time, <laughs> the second watch through, if I'd watched it again. Right. Um, but yeah, that that's sorry, I got myself sidetracked. Um, yeah. In any case, uh, we, we, when we did eventually get down to the planet, though, I I don't know if this is going to be an ongoing upgrade, but I, I liked the the cityscape they had. Uh, that it, it was much, it, it felt much more advanced. Right. There was stuff moving in the background, actually, as opposed to some of the other, you know, wide out shots we get of planets with buildings. It's just like. Yeah, here's a picture on a green screen for you. You know, th- th- this one felt a little more like they were almost there, right? Because mm-hmm. um, obviously I know they're not building these entire sets for the, the wide-out shot because we're, we don't get that once when they land. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it it's interesting to see how that develops over time, I guess. Um, the guys in wardrobe... <laughs> they they ha- must have one of the best jobs because i mean they're making up cultures and civilizations as they go along right so th- there's no like right or wrong way for them to dress right, right? yeah I- I- unless you know gene had something specific in mind that he told them it's like you, you know you got to give them hats like this or something you know mm-hmm. little details maybe but otherwise i mean they just must be having a blast yeah. because some of those costumes, I, just, I mean, and they're working on shoestring budgets and <laughs> put something together, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's some cloth, make it happen. Yeah. And they yeah. do. And they, I mean, some of them look great. Some of them are kind of out there, but it's like, whatever. Just, I mean, just, just for clarity's sake, the, the costumes you found this week, are they pretty cool or do they fall more on the out there side of that spectrum? I, I think like the the uniform, you know, the the clothing portion itself um, is is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I think what always gets me is the weird hats they give them. Sure, like I, that. That, I, I think that's kind of what what makes it almost funny, you know, mm-hmm. laughable. And at some points, it, it, it's uh, I mean, because some anytime you know you get a hat that like comes to a point, I. All I can think of is like cone heads. Cone heads, yeah. You're a cone yeah. head now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yep. like, that... they take off the hat. Let us see what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it's yeah. You get a mix of it, but it's yeah. it, one thing that's that's actually that I have started having fun with more on a uh, I, you know I watch Star Trek because I like the the story. I like what they're telling, but I've also seen it enough times now where I start to watch for various production things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I enjoy doing is, you know, like, so the, the cloth and the texture in um, a non-Sevens wardrobe, mm-hmm. like, they're going to cut a strip of that and use that in another costume scheme coming sure. up here very soon. And I'll point it out when we get there. But okay. it'll be a pretty prominent 
thing. Um, but it it's basically like they just had extra cloth from this guy's yeah, or they like they took his wardrobe and cut it into a couple pieces, uh, his rope, you know, mm-hmm. so that they could use it for this other thing. Or um, one of the things you you would you wouldn't have noticed, but like the phasers that they were using in this particular episode were ones that were used back on another planet and another time uh, in another okay. episode that we completely missed. Yeah. So, um, you know, the reusing of certain costume pieces and prop pieces. um where they just maybe change them a little bit and redress them is it's kind of it's kind of interesting sure. to me to to see how they do all that and to go and they were on a shoestring budget they're yeah doing whatever they it, can it, I got to do it got to do yeah. yeah I'm not I'm not gonna fault them for that yeah um so then uh, as soon as we get down there and they're having this conversation with Maya like actually got one of the first kind of deep moments pretty early on here that I'm like. Mm-hmm. I, they are to be treated correctly, nothing more. Right. And my first thought is like, w- w- what exactly does that entail? Treated correctly. Exactly. <laughs> like that, that could mean anything depending on your culture. I mean, that right. that's the whole thing. And it's like, I, I have an idea of what treated correctly means, but that's not everybody's idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I like, after watching it, I I think is actually pretty well intentioned, right? Oh sure, absolutely. That's one of those things that I was saying. The rewatchability of this show is is really mm-hmm. high because once you know what's going on, going back and rewatching it and seeing you know how different people are talking, different phrases that they're using, when you know what they're actually referring to, like uh, they're to be treated correctly. Yeah, and just you know, if they die, they die. If they're part of it, they've got to be. Um, yeah. there, there's a part later, and I, I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead for you, uh, <laughs> but there, there's a part where uh, Anon Seven, like the the guy's like, hey, he's pointing at this map and says, and he and he looks at him and goes, they were warned not to come here, and then he turns to the guards and says, hey, go get a couple guys, we might need some people here. Yeah, for what I mean, like he mm-hmm. he's prefacing mm-hmm. all this before he actually says anything about, yeah, hey, everybody from the Enterprise <laughs> has to die. Yep, we just killed your your yep. men. Yeah, Sorry. we just blew up your ship. Yeah, well, we didn't. They did. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. But your now you have to report to the, yes. to the disintegration chambers. Yeah. Yes, uh, but it's those little three things, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that that uh, really to me make this one of those just enjoyable shows to rewatch. Yeah, I mean, so going back a little bit, kind of. In that same phrase, almost, I think, I mean, just a couple of minutes later, it's like, um, I think it might have been May that said it again. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, because c- Kirk is like, well, yeah, I, we're, we're here now and we don't see any danger. Right. And she's like, the danger exists. Nevertheless, you are here. It would be morally incorrect to do anything less than extend our hospitality. Right. And right there, I like mic drop, you know, this is what people nowadays need to hear. Right. Yeah. It would be morally incorrect to do anything less than extend our hospitality. Yeah. Like, like, Hey, you that, shouldn't have been here, fantastic. but now that you are, that is fantastic. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, like that, that line right there made me think like, th- this is what Brent's talking about. Yeah. Everybody yeah. needs Star Trek. Turn like, on the news right now. <laughs> I promise you, you will see something where you go, Hey, you know, if we adopted that philosophy with this thing that's happening right now in our society mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, and to people that are listening right now, as we record this, Matt, they're going to know exactly what we're talking about. The people that are listening to this in a handful of years, 
this will apply to them as well. I like was going to say, there will be another situation. Exactly. Without like, a doubt. Yep. Right. We we need Star Trek now more than ever. It just, we do. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do. Yeah. Hey, can can I talk about uh, Maya just a little bit? Um, sure. Uh, on a more lighter note, um, played by a lady named Barbara Bab- Babcock. All right. Okay. Um, I think this is her only Trek appearance. Um, I'm, I'm, okay. po- I'm not positive. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Uh, it's another P word. But, uh, you know, but she did play in quite a few others. Obviously, she was, um, uh, you know, she was very, very much the looker back in, in the 60s. You know, sure. uh, I mean, brought her in. You know, I mean, the, the, the way they dressed her, you kind of. Absolutely. Bit, and, yeah. you know, she's she's the foil for Kirk. And, and by the way, I should say this kind of uh, not so much that this is with Maya, but in general, um, Star Trek is a very sexy show. Okay, I, I, I never would have thought that going into it. Yeah, but, I mean, I, no, I, I can see is. where you're. I can see where you're coming. Yeah, from. yeah, it, it very much is, and and uh, we don't have to dive too much into it here. It's just suffice to say that that is a part of Gene Roddenberry's vision and a part of his personality of who he was as a person here on Earth. Sure. He was very much a, a very open. This is the '60s, you know what I mean, and, and very open. Oh, yeah, I, and, I, I mean, the, you know, the stories that come out of out of production offices and set and mm-hmm. what they were doing is, uh, I mean, I mean, my it, people would would lose their minds today over yeah. some of that. But it, it Star Trek was very much meant to be that kind of free love kind of deal. Now sure. that wasn't necessarily Barb Badcock. You just you know uh, just kind of mentioning all that but she um she was in a lot of other projects she was actually uh i think she was one of the main characters on hill street blues okay if you if i i've never seen the show yeah but i certainly know that it was a big show i think back kind of through the 80s i was gonna say i've Uh, heard of it so it was definitely a thing yeah that'll be our next podcast (laughs) um i think we have a few others to get through before yeah 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 we'll we'll hit that one in uh 2049 um but she also maybe regrettably and this is a shout out to our friend josh uh who i think still owes me uh a a fulfilled promise (laughs) She oh was in Home Alone 4 because <laughs> Home Alone 4 is a thing and it's real. Oh, it should, no, no. One and, and two. One and, and three two. and four and five. And now they're rebooting mm. it. <laughs> so shout out to our friend Josh. But little backstory, uh, Matt and, and his co-host on the former podcast uh, talked about this Home Alone thing. And I went and sent... Uh, his co-host. Actually, I sent one to you too, didn't I, Matt? Yeah. Um, of the complete uh, series of Home Alone movies, and Josh promised he would watch them, and he has not watched them yet. He knowledge. hasn't. Oh no! I, I no, thought he had it planned is, a couple times, but yeah. it, he had, Matt. But I'm saying this has been years now. Yep. Multiple. It has. It has. Like, that's plural years. It's so been Josh, a year since I've been on the show. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so Barbara Badcock, uh, just wanted to get throw that out there. Home Alone 4. All right. Plays Armea. Uh, let's see. What else we got going here? So, I mean, at, at, then this is where they started to explain all of this this war, sure. quote-unquote war, <laughs> that's going on, even though there there is there, there's no war, actually, when you think no, about it. There, there, there is zero war and going Matt, on. It's 500 years old. I know, and they don't know why. <laughs> but we've been I, I doing mean, it. I mean, yeah, exactly. This is you know the the family feud without any 
you know, actual feud yeah. like going on. It's, it's like, I I'm fighting you because my father fought you and my grandfather fought you. Right. Like that. But they're just basically ritually killing people, ritually sacrificing, sacrificing is probably a better word, right? you know, sacrificing these people. And it's not even to like a God or anything. It's just to appease a different civilization. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, um, my first thought when I fi- when this all finally clicked yeah. was you don't need to be doing this. If you just both stop and you both live peacefully, you're yeah. not fighting over anything. Yeah. You, you're, you're, you're like you're fighting because hypothetically, if you didn't sacrifice these people, you'd be in a war. Hypothetically, right? They but would come not. blow up your buildings. I it, it, maybe it just yeah. yeah. If you don't get them, it, first. it's ridiculous. Well, it and you from, know, there's... from my perspective, you know, that's the whole thing. Well, but no, but but see, Matt, that's the point of Star Trek is to to hold up a mirror to us mm-hmm. and show us and and you know, like I said, this was written more about the Vietnam War. Like the thing about war, and, and I heard a guy who does another Star Trek podcast talking about this. Yeah, he said, you know, the thing about war is at any time you can just stop. You know what Very I mean? True. Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you could just stop. Like, you don't have to go to war. I, I mean, it, the, the biggest thing is, is the other guy going to stop? Exactly. And, and that's why more people don't. Because, right. like, if I stop then and, he's just and, and don't have an agreement with them that they're going to stop, yeah, then they just wipe us out. Exactly. It's like, well, what was the point of that? You know, and I think, I think it was Kirk who said this, and I wrote this down. He said, um, death, destruction, disease, horror. Mm-hmm. That is what war is about. But yeah. that's what makes it a thing to be avoided. Mm-hmm. You've made it neat and painless, so neat and painless that you've had it for 500 years. Yeah. You know, and when when war becomes that, uh, when you become numb to the war, mm-hmm. when you become numb to the, oh, it's just kind of the way it is. Oh, we're just, you know, I, I mean, think of, you know, here's what, wherever, whenever you're listening to this show, like, clo- close your eyes, think of a place where your country, wherever you come from, has troops. And how long they've had troops there. And and we're from America and we tend to have troops all over the world for whatever reason. You know, <laughs> but we have troops that are in places that they've been there for decades, Matt. Yeah. And yep. I don't know why. They may be fighting, they may not be. I don't know what's going on over there, but yeah. like I'm kind of numb to that fact. It just sort of is what it is. We've been you know doing I mean? it for so long, as long as I can remember. Yeah. And so... you know, uh, you know, thankfully places like Korea in Germany places, we're not over there actually fighting. It's just mm-hmm. we just have bases, right? But there are places where I do know that there are active zones, yeah. and they've been there for a very long time. And, yeah, it sucks. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go pick up some, you know, McDonald's because <laughs> I'm hungry or, you know, yeah. whatever. I mean, like, I don't know. Think of a better example. I got to go see a movie. Endgame's <laughs> coming out. Um, dang, I just dated this show. Uh, <laughs> it's a weird date since that's passed, but, yeah. It's true. Um came out on video uh but yeah so uh, and then you you mentioned earlier you know spock talking about why they do the way they do and he says you know i do not approve but i understand you know say, oh well, mm-hmm. then you approve he goes no i i don't approve well, well, i understand he, yes but, but, be, but yeah when he's going on about that you know he, he gives us a line it's like there's a certain scientific logic about it and uh, one of those lines i'm not sure i quite agree with though okay it, it, it's it's one of those that I think it, to to really understand what he just said, mm-hmm. you have to go really deep. And most people, when they're just sitting down to watch a show, aren't going to go that deep with it. They're going to say, "Oh, it's Spock said it. It must be logical. That's what he does." Right. 
So I'm going to accept it as logical. And, and, and then it's the next line that you're getting at that, mm-hmm. that, you know, people agree or disagree with. I mean, I think most people agree with, but you know, um, where he says, yeah, I, I, I don't agree with it, but I understand it. But there's a certain scientific logic about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I struggle with that a little bit. Yeah. And I, I, I guess I'm not sure if it's I'm just not thinking about it in the right way mm-hmm. or if I actually have a problem with it. Okay. So, so I mean, because because I had this as a note down of going like, hey, a legit conversation. Would this be a good way to do war? Yeah. Because you, I mean, th- think about everything that they are avoiding. They're avoiding mm-hmm. the cost of military. Yep. Drones and planes and spaceships and defense yep. systems, and the, I don't have to worry about I, any. Yeah, of Yeah, the, the actual military presence, the weapons, the ammunition, right? The defenses, like you said, too. Right. Both sides of it. I yep. I don't have to worry about you actually destroying. Our stuff, like yeah, we can still have all these buildings, pretty buildings, arms, and, and all this stuff. You don't have to, you know, build infrastructure them every time. systems and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, um, you know, what if we take all the, you know, if we're going to do this anyway, if this is what's going to happen, can we take all that off the board? And you just tell me how many people that we kill in this attack, and you know, they'll get chosen and they'll they'll go die, and we'll cal- we'll kill you back, and yeah, you know, it, we'll just keep it so- neat. We'll just keep it neat and neat and painless, like uh, Kirk said. One of the biggest things I I, kind of wondered about, like when they did start doing this, Uh like during the attack that we saw, I I didn't quite understand how they were doing it at first Mm -hmm. because it's like they saw like where it hit. And like the computer told them like how many people it killed, uh-huh. so I I assumed at least like because uh, especially when it hit the Enterprise, right? It, it was a specific area with specific people, right? And, but the shot that hit the like their planet, it's like okay, so the people in that area are the ones who were selected, right? right? But then Maya was selected, yeah. And like I don't think there was a secondary attack, right? Well, that, right? I mean, it, it was they hit the city center. They said, oh, that one, wow, that hit the city center. So, uh, so and they're so like all like, they we were? yeah, because like we didn't feel anything. Okay, like okay. well, we're deep well, underground, like, but yeah, but we still I, should have felt something. I guess I missed that. Yeah. So, so the, yeah. the first shot hit where they were, and yeah. that's why she was one of the ones selected, right? Because right. I, I, I assumed, especially when they're saying like half a million people, like, yeah. I mean, I. I don't know how those numbers work out with, you know, 12 disintegration chambers and to get through half a million people in 24 hours. I don't, <laughs> I think you have to be whipping through those a lot, but um, it, it just, it, it seems weird that, you know, she was selected and like none of the council, as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, Kirk, hey, Kirk, Kirk was still fine. You know, <laughs> right, right. Like, like Kirk, they, they were standing Kirk, right next to each fine. other. But the Enterprise was good done. Like they yeah. would have been fine, but the Enterprise was done. You know. And, and, well, and, and then he's like, "Well, we'll 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 try to save your ship if we can." And I'm like, "Well, you're not actually like." It right. turns out they did have weapons of some sort, right? Because uh, they did fire upon the Enterprise eventually. But like, it's I'm like, you you can. It's your choice whether or not you save the ship. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's the whole point. Like. We'll see if we can save. What do you mean? We'll see. Mm-hmm. You you know it's your choice whether or not you blow it up or you, you bring it down. So I don't know. It, it it was a weird weird scenario. Yeah, I I I think the I 
I'm actually very much with Spock on this one. Like, I understand the purpose behind it. Uh, you know, and by the way, the disintegration chamber, when you think about it, like, think of the horrors of an atomic bomb dropping. Mm-hmm. And and this was written during the Cold War, right? Like, yep. that yep. would have been a thing. Um, the horrors of the atomic bomb dropping, the horrors of anybody dealing with a bomb with, uh, you know, rifle fire you know, think about what's happening in in various places around the globe like and you're a civilian you're just a casualty you know you're mm-hmm. not a military guy those are horrible ways to die right versus what you would think would I, I i mean could we at least make the assumption that the disintegration chambers are very humane and probably quick I, and painless and it you know i mean if, if, if you're gonna go out it, it's like we, we we saw you know two people walk in there and they're both of them are gone within 10 seconds so right. it's like Right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, but you assume it's not painless. painless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You assume that it's a very humane way to go. So, if you're going to do this, and these are going to be the people to die, let's give them a real humane way to go. Mm-hmm. Let's not destroy everybody's life work and and allow everybody else to just sort of continue along with their lives. Um, like there, there it seems like a very civilized approach, and and I think. I can't say that this is the first one, but I do think Star Trek is the – they did a lot of first. There are uh, – in science fiction as a genre, mm-hmm. there are certain episodes that I think pretty much anybody who does a science fiction show does this episode. Not not yeah. specifically Taste of Armageddon. I'm just saying there's a handful of episodes that they do. And I think actually Taste of Armageddon is one of them. And it's the episode where, hey, they take something that we think is really, really abhorrent and they've made it clean. Mm-hmm. Right. But it requires something like mass suicide every yeah. time you turn around. And that's not OK. So we're going to take them back a little bit to the Stone Age a little bit, you know, comparatively speaking, and try to go from there and see yeah. what we can do. Like at just about every sci fi show that I can think of, you know, some of the various Star Trek shows have done it. Stargate, I know, has done it. I'm pretty sure Babylon 5 did it. I think one episode off the top of my head. Battlestar Galactica did not follow that recipe, so don't worry about them because they're different all the way around. (laughs) But, I mean, like, most of these, like, big marquee sci-fi shows, like, this is a plot line that they do all Mm -hmm. seem to dive into at one point or another throughout their run. Sure. I can see why. Yeah. It's it's a compelling show. So, um, all right, man, anything else that jumped out to you as you were were heading down this path or even just the the whole idea, like, um, you know, the whole idea of what this means and... Well, I, I I do want to give props to Scotty, okay, for actually standing oh, yeah. up to the ambassador. Sure, because I mean, like that's a stance not even Kirk took, right? Right. Like we said, Kirk kind of gave in a little bit. Yeah. Said, "Fine, we'll go," and got into this whole mess. But then Scotty's like, "Nope, no, nope, I'm not until I get my orders from the captain." Right. You can court martial me. I don't care. Yep. I am staying <laughs> right here. And, and, and shortly after he did that, I there, there, he gave us a line that I hope someone can throw into bring into the mainstream at some point or at least use using casual conversation if no one's doing it already okay the haggis is in the fire for sure <laughs> do you have to say it with a scottish accent though the yeah. haggis is in the fire for sure I, I, i'll give you bonus points if you do but right I, yeah and like Right. Yeah, the haggis is in the fire for sure. Well, let, let's let's make you know if we had like a like a subtitle, like a, an AKA to all of these episodes, <laughs> that would be it for this particular episode. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I did want to ask you about this. One of the things they talked about in the show for the um, the people on the planet, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't remember their names. Um, they, you know, they talked about, hey, we're barbarians. We're going to kill each other. We know that. Right. Like yep. it's in yep. our base instincts. We're just going to fight. 
Yeah. And this is the way we've kind of quelled that a little bit. Um, it's it, it's just it's who we are as instincts. Can we fight our instincts? Like, can we as human? Do we as human beings have to be slaves to our instincts? No. Yeah. You you, you can fight them. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what you know. Um, I, I think Gene Kuhn was the the guy who wrote the teleplay for this, um, and, and the other people who came up with the storyline. I, I think that's a part of the message that is found here. Is because I agree with you. Uh, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I set that question. I, up, I, but, I mean, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's certainly tough in, in right. many situations. Right. But I. I I forget who I saw said it most recently. I'm sure many people have said it over the course of time, but yeah. you always have a choice. Yeah. Always, 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 always. Right. It, right. Like th- there are going to be consequences to whatever choice you make. Sure. And it's, it, it's basically comes down to, are you willing to deal with those consequences? Yeah. That, 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 that's usually what yeah. guides your choices, yeah. but you always, always have a choice. Yeah. And, you know, I think of so often we hear people talk about, um, oh, well, this is a base instinct or this is a primal urge or a primal instinct. And I'm not even talking about sexual stuff. I'm just saying general, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. general things, you know, this is hardwired into your DNA or into your, into your encoding. And, you know, that may explain, I think sometimes, uh, especially if you're going against that hardwiring. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how much you believe in that or, or, or other people do. I, I don't know how much stock to really put in that, but let's, let's, for the sake of argument, assume it's true, right? There's yeah, some sort yeah. of hardwiring to people and human beings, uh, that come from primal times or, you know, from, from whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, the fact of being human being, like, isn't that a part of what separates us from the animals? Like mm-hmm. we can go, you can go against those instincts, when yeah. it doesn't work in your favor, like you have logic, you have a brain, you can, you know, Re- reason. Yeah. You don't have to be a slave to those instincts. And, and, uh, that is, that is, I think one of, one of, if not the best messages, uh, you know, that kind of comes out sure. out of the show. So, um, so, all right, man, you had anything else as far as jumping out to you on this episode? I, I think we covered yeah. the big things. Yeah. The the only other thing I'm going to say is, well, here we go. The Enterprise once again leaving somebody behind as she sails <laughs> off at the end of the episode. Hey, at least this was someone that you know just showed up this episode. Yeah. Here's Not the like thing, though, leaving Scotty behind. If you came back in in two weeks and mm-hmm. realized that hey, they just rebuilt the computer and started everything up, and they just kept doing what they were doing, and Fox died, uh-huh. would you be sad? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I think with, with uh, the, the one of the other times we saw this with Baylock, uh, you remember the guy that stayed behind with Corvermite Maneuver? Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, I, I remember having that thought with him. Like, you don't know what happens with him mm-hmm. after Baylock. Like, maybe Baylock takes him and he becomes lunch. <laughs> if, whatever he said, maybe he's now lunch. Yeah. Um, or awesome. who knows? Who knows what happened? But, you know. We'll leave them behind, and better luck to you there, Ambassador Fox. So, yeah. All right, Matt. Well, uh, this will kind of bring us down to the last segment of our of our show. Did you like the episode? Is this an episode you'd watch again? And do you understand why I chose this episode as one of the ones that we would be watching? Uh, yeah. I mean, and I I would definitely watch it again. I mean, as I kind of said a few times, like there there are things that I'm already thinking about differently right. since I, I've, I've seen all the way through. I know how it ends. I know what the whole plot was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, first time through, I, you've heard this from me before, but 
it had that mystery, right? Right. It, ha- it had me guessing the whole way through. And it, I mean, I will admit it was kind of frustrating because like I said, I, I got a lot of things wrong when uh-huh. I was guessing my way through this episode, but it, it, it kept me engaged. Sure. And I think that's an important part of any form of entertainment mm-hmm. is like, you got to keep your audience engaged. And it, it, it did that for me. All right. All right. Um, I'm with you. I, I like this episode. I would watch it again. And yeah, I absolutely understand why I chose it for you. Uh, as we've actually already detailed over the yeah. last hour yeah. here. Um, yes. All right. Well, uh, Matt, that's going to wrap up uh, this episode Indeed. that we have here of Star Trek. It's going to put this one in the books for us. Uh, our next episode. Uh, now, we're actually going to be going backwards just a little bit, which may sound weird to people. Okay. All right. The name of the next episode we're going to be uh, watching is Space Seed. And Trekkies out there are probably getting a little excited for it. Uh, I will go ahead and kind of tell you this because you might be wondering this why uh, we go forward. This really is going to be a marquee episode for Star Trek. All right. You want to pay attention. Uh, I don't know how you're going to feel about this episode. Uh, We'll talk about my own personal feelings when we get there to this one next week. Sure. but as an episode itself, without the knowledge of everything else, I don't know how you're going to feel about it. But it really is uh, like pay attention to what's happening because okay. this episode sets up a lot of the history of Trek, of how the Federation and and the culture became what it was, like kind of what happens between us today and what happens to them then. Okay, you know what I mean. It it sets up a lot of that. It sets up storylines that carry through multiple series, and is the basis of not just one but two of the thirteen Star Trek movies. Um, and okay. one of them <laughs> is generally considered to be the best of all the Star Trek films. So sure, um, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, so it, it's going to be a big one. Um, I'll I'll wait and you know I I always say I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, that's generally a given. Yeah, yeah. Um. You you didn't seem to like Arena as much as I thought you would, even though <laughs> it is not one of the better episodes, but still. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see where that we'll is. See. But so Space Seed is what's on deck for next week, Matt. And until then, why don't you tell the folks out there where they can find you on the Internet? Uh, the simplest place to find me is over on Twitter at As a Matter of Matt. And if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can find me at Brent Allen Live across all the social medias. And we would love for you to get in touch with us here at the podcast. There's several different ways you can do that. At Beam Me Up Pod on Twitter is probably the easiest and most direct way. If you're a little more long-winded, though, than the 280 characters I think that Twitter gives yep. you these days, uh, you can email us to beammeuppod at gmail.com. Maybe you agreed with something that we said or you disagreed or you had another take on uh, watching this episode along with us. If you'd like to share with us, we would love to receive that and be able to read that. Or if you don't want to write it all out, you can actually just... Tell us. Give us a phone call. The number is 702-518-TREK. That's 702-518-8735. And you can leave us a voicemail there. And uh, we will respond to these on uh, you know, on a special episode where we respond to things like this. So, Matt, um, until then, uh, buddy, uh, I don't quite know how to say this, but uh, I just don't know how to sign off the show. So, so long, folks. We'll see you.